0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And guess what? It's game day. BYU in Houston tonight. The Cougars, depending on where you look, favored by five, five and a half points. Five and oh. Halfway home to a perfect season. The first of the three marquee games on the schedule. Houston, San Diego State, and the big one, Boise State. I rank Boise State first just because I think we can trust them to have a good season. If I, if I had to rank him, I don't know if Houston or San Diego State is the better team, but I think San Diego State should have the better record just because their schedule's so soft. They, uh, the Mountain West did a little bit of what the Pac-12 did. Try to set up some teams so that uh, in a short season when you're not playing as many games, and they're playing eight games as opposed to the six, well, seven that the Pac-12 will play. Um And they'll play eight, and the title game will be nine in the Mountain West. Uh, But nonetheless, I just couldn't help but notice San Diego State isn't playing Air Force, who they've had some problems with over the years. Did pretty well in the Rocky Long era. Uh, And they're not playing Boise State either. So, hello. Hello, San Jose. Hawaii, what's going on? (laughs) Now, they didn't give them New Mexico either, I have to say. So, they didn't do that. But uh, they got UNLV. So, I think San Diego State's got a decent chance, depending on how good Nevada is. And, uh, you know, if they stumble against a Fresno or a CSU, San Diego State should be 5-2, and 6-1, and maybe 7-0 and when they play BYU. But they shouldn't be worse than 5-2, and even with their coaching change. Uh, I can't guarantee Houston's going to be that good. They're coming off a 4-8 and eight season that kind of took some of the sizzle out of this. But Houston's had a couple of one-loss seasons this decade. Uh, they've been really good. Uh, you're going to hear in a few minutes uh, coming up, you're going to hear from uh, Matt Thomas, who used to work here in Utah. And he's in Houston now um, at Sports Talk 790, and he does the Houston Cougars uh, pregame show, and he has their head coach on his show uh, once a week. And, you know, Houston, uh, coming off of 4-8, and eight, They should be better than that. That was a bad year. There were quarterback issues. But they've destroyed Tulane. They're picked seventh in their conference. But we've seen BYU destroy Navy. We've seen Houston destroy Tulane. Those two teams were picked right in front of them. I think Houston's already back into the top half of the AAC. I don't think the record will be as glossy as San Diego State because the top of that league's been very good with UCF and with Cincinnati and Memphis and SMU are pretty good too. So there's some hard games out there. There's some tough opponents. But I think uh, Houston and then San Diego State, and then Boise State is the big game. But as it sets up here, is coming in 4-0, and if they win this for 5-0, they ought to win their next two with Texas State and with uh, uh, Western Kentucky. So now you're 7-0 going to Boise State for what could be an enormous game. It'd be weird to say 7-0 versus 2-0, but it's weird to say 4-0 versus 1-0, which is what we've got tonight. So... It's an undefeated team. It's a battle of undefeateds, even if one team over here is 1-0 because they just haven't been able to get an opponent out on the field. They've had games scheduled. Well, they had some games canceled, and they've had other games scheduled. And then week after week, kept having positive COVID tests and canceling the game, more because of the opponents than Houston, but nonetheless, the games weren't played. So a lot of question marks tonight. Um, but as much as we have the question marks with Houston, I think a big part of this game is just how good is BYU and how well are they going to play? I think we're getting a little handle on BYU's talent and I think it's pretty good. You know, so there's that range. Do you have good talent? You have very good talent, you have great talent. But then based on that, every week you can play a little better or play a little worse. How sharp are you? And obviously the focus was lacking last week. That was not even a C minus effort. That was a D D minus effort. I'm not gonna give them an F because they won the game. And as Herm Edwards once told us, the goal is to win the game. And they did it. Maybe it'll be the perfect wake-up call. If you're a glass-half-full Cougar fan, that was a great wake-up call. They ought to be focused now. They had a scare. They learned from it. And it ought to be easier to get up for Houston than UTSA. UTSA has been playing football for 10 years. Houston's a brand-name program. They've had a Heisman Trophy winner. They've had these 13-1 and seasons. So you ought to be able to get up for Houston. There's this recognition that Houston's got name recognition in a big metropolitan area with a gazillion football players. They ought to have some good ones. So... How well will BYU play? One of the many issues Jeff Grimes addresses as he speaks with the media. Here's BYU's offensive coordinator on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.
1: On the coordinator's corner, you mentioned the fact there's a chance that James MP, Keanu Saliapaga, and Tristan Hodge are all potentially available this week. Any update in terms of that? Are they still on track, or what, what's the status? Um I would still say all all up in the air. CFI now is another one
2: I would add to that. All those guys, I would say, are um, in the position that they might be um, they might be available, but we're really gonna have
1: to see how the next 48 hours goes with them um, before we make a decision. I also wanted to ask, in terms of a short week, you guys have to travel to Houston, obviously. What's the biggest key for you guys to be prepared for this game with one less day of preparation?
2: Well, I think we've done most of that um, just in terms of really getting to work fast and and flipping the page from our last game. I think our players have done a good job of that. Yesterday, um, they came in ready to work, and we told them we were going to get a jump on certain situations, which we practiced yesterday, that we wouldn't normally do on a Monday, had a, had a longer practice on a Monday than we typically do. And so I think we've I think we've done a good job handling the short amount of work and and being ready quickly in, in terms of handling the mental part of it. And, and now it'll be a, a similar um, kind of last couple of days of just getting getting ourselves tightened up on a few scheme and, and uh, technique items.
1: Kind of big picture now, four games in uh, Zach, the numbers he's been putting up at quarterback have been pretty eye popping. What, what have you seen that as? Been the biggest key to the step up he's made this year.
2: Well, I would say, um, first, he's he's healthy. Um, you know, he came in last season and had the shoulder surgery and his, his arm was not at full strength. And I think everyone could see that and then was beginning to play himself back into position where he was feeling more comfortable and then had the thumb and then came back and didn't have full grip strength. And so I think the first thing is just that he's healthy and the ball's jumping out of his hand at, um, much with much more velocity than it did last year. And then I think, the next thing is just the mental part of the game. I think Coach Roderick, Coach Roderick has done a great job working with him, and Zach has done a great job just studying and becoming more knowledgeable of our system. Being in the system for a third year I think certainly helps him. And then i got to point out that his teammates are doing a really good job too. He's got a good line in front of him, and he's got a lot of guys that are making plays around him.
1: And you obviously you have been the coordinator for a while now. I know you've tried to bring in different – things from different offenses, but what about it uh, do you think is making it click so well this year in terms of who you have available and how they fit in what you want to do?
2: I I think first is just having a number of guys back with experience. I mean, pretty much everybody that we're playing with now has played in this system um most guys for for 2 years this being their 3rd year in the system now so there's just a greater amount of experience in playing college football and then a greater amount of experience within the system with the same coaching staff and so you've got uh you've got that stability the continuity that comes with doing the same thing for for a greater amount of time and you know we're playing with mainly upperclassmen now for the first time since I've been here and so I think it's just a combination of of those things and And then and then the other part of it, I think, is that we as a coaching staff probably understand these players better ourselves and we understand what they do best. And and I think we're probably doing a better job making making good decisions and putting them in position where they can they can really play to their to their best skills.
1: Yeah, Jeff, uh, what maybe attributes or characteristics stand out when you watch Houston from their one game that they've played thus far on defense?
2: Um, Explosive, just big, powerful, fast guys at every position. I mean, they've got um, a very aggressive style about how they play in the defensive line. The ball is snapped and they're up the field in your face and they're attacking every play. Um, they've got linebackers who, who um, has fast triggers and they're on you in a hurry. A lot of times it's not a blitz, but it feels like a blitz because they're filling those gaps so quickly. You got big safeties that are big hitters that can also cover. They play a lot of man match type coverage where even when it looks like a zone, it's really got a lot of man elements to it. And they've got the kind of guys who can who can uh, who can stick on you man to man. And so I, I really don't see a, a weakness at any position. And they've got guys who who are who are big and explosive at every spot.
3: And, and to this point of, of the week, I know it's a short week with, with practices, but how have you felt about just maybe the, the energy or the, the, the level of intensity that the, the players are maybe showing this week leading into
1: such a, a big game this Friday?
2: Yeah, I think we're where we need to be. I think so. I think I feel like um, we've had two good days of work, good focus from the players. And I think they recognize that this is a, a sizable challenge in front of them, both with a short week and a really good team that we're about to play.
1: Coach, I wanted to ask you about Tyler Algier. He made the position changes the last couple of years between running back and linebacker. What makes you think that he can be your lead back? Why is he so effective? Uh, he's a he's a great combination
2: of Speed and power. You know, he's a, he's a thick dude. That's, that's really strong and powerful, uh, but he's got the speed to run away from people too. And so I think you're, you're seeing that when he gets in the open field, he's not just a, not just a a plugger that's going to run between the tackles and, and get you those hard yards. He's a guy that when he gets to the second or third level, he can stick his foot in the ground, accelerate and run away from someone. And so I think it's the combination of, of those two things. and, um, you know, he really fits well what, what we like to do on offense. We're a wide zone running team more than anything, and we're asking for guys to be one-cut runners and get on their track and make a decision to get north and south when when the lane presents itself, and and that really suits his, his skill set.
1: He's known as a bigger back. They lists him at 220 pounds. Is that unique that he has the ability to be that one-cut guy at the size he plays at?
2: Yeah. Um, Well, I think I don't know whether it's unique, but I would say it certainly it certainly fits the better running backs that I've been around. If you have a guy that has that combination of size and speed and power and all those things going together, I think that's what that's what makes him special. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of faster, shifty guys who are maybe smaller and uh, maybe not as durable and maybe get knocked down a little bit easier with contact. And then some bigger guys who who uh, may not have the same um ability to accelerate and make the big run i think it's that it's that combination of those things that that makes a really good back
1: i've got one more question for you. i wanted to ask you about your tight ends we've seen the wide receivers get a lot of the i guess pub because of the stat lines they posted gunner and dax but in terms of the guys replacing matt bushman how have they done it's a pretty young group but how have they done overall in your opinion through four games
2: I think they're all making progress for young guys. I think Mason is certainly the one who's who's probably progressing the fastest and you're seeing that with the number of touches that he's getting and the number of plays that he's getting. And you may not a lot of people may not notice how many how many plays he's getting necessarily, but he's blocking better than than any of those guys. Um and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a nice um, addition as a runner from the backfield as well. When we play him at fullback, and so he's got he's got a lot of a lot of tools and he can do a lot of things to, to help our team. And I've really been pleased with his, with his development as a blocker. He's got nice hands. He can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. And so I would say that Mason is the one who's made the most progress this year. And then I would say all those other guys are moving in the right direction, but, but not quite where they need to be yet. That's why you're seeing a little bit smaller role from each of them.
1: Yeah, Jeff. Just real quick, uh, you know, this being only the second uh, trip you
3: guys have made on the on the road or coming up this weekend, uh, what, where would you say the offense has improved the most since that first week against Navy, and and also an area that you're still looking for some improvement?
2: Um, you know, I think I think we've we've improved just. Um, as a as a group with our with our timing whether that be the running back in synchronization with the o-line and the, the tight ends in the run game or whether that be a, a receiver making his break at just the right time when Zach's being being ready to deliver the throw to him so I think I think the biggest thing is we've just improved our timing um, and then the the improvement that that I'm looking for still is just greater consistency. You know, I mean, the the penalties that we had in the last game and um, having a turnover, um, we had a couple of missed assignments, not a lot, but just a couple of things here and there that just kept us from – uh, executing a drive and being able to finish that drive. And, you know, again, it might be something nobody really noticed, but maybe we should have identified this backer as the key and we actually identified that guy. And so we didn't get everybody on track the right way um, in the run game. And maybe we came up short on a run or maybe it was a, a pass and and the receiver wasn't in, in exactly the spot that Zach expected him to be in. And so uh, just greater level of consistency Consistency in the details and I think that will eliminate some of those penalties and uh, an occasional turnover and any of those any of those little things that that can keep us from, from executing and and uh, continuing a, a drive.
0: There's BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. As the Cougars get ready for the Cougars, it's BYU and it's Houston tonight. And for uh, BYU going in a five and a half point favorite, clearly this would be the best win of the year to date and set up a game, as I take them three at a time, and set up a game with Boise State. I know, Texas State, Western Kentucky. Nonetheless, I'm taking them three at a time. It sets up a big game with Boise State. All right, more on this game coming up. Uh, We talked with Brian Keel, the former Cougar. It was later in yesterday's show. For you early risers, we'll get that for you next. Stay with us.
4: Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Brian Keel, the former Cougar, joined us during yesterday's show. It was a little later, so for you early riders, we want to get you up to speed. The former BYU linebacker, as you'll find out, is now a semi-mature man of 36. But he'll try to get into the mindset of the immature 21- or 20-year-old football player as you ride the wave during the season. Sometimes you're a little more focused and you play better. Sometimes you're a little less focused and you play worse. We know what last Saturday looked like. What will tonight look like as BYU plays Houston? Here's Brian Keel with PKNI. Brian, good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good. So we are curious. How good is Houston? We don't even know how to measure this game. We saw them play and they look terrible for 20 minutes and awesome for 40. And we're not sure Tulane is any good. So we're left with question marks. Can you answer them?
5: I can't. I didn't didn't see their game. And um, I I saw the score and the box score. And, uh, you know, it's exactly like you said, you know, the score looks good, but, um, you know, parts of the game did not look so good. And who knows what lane is? Who knows if, if BYU is any good? So I think we'll find out some more tomorrow night.
6: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Who knows how good BYU is when you boil it down? We're not really sure. What we saw on last Saturday was one team that was inspired. It was funny because BYU's got the rep for doing the dancing, and it was San Antonio was doing all the dancing, and BYU on their sideline it looked like they were going to a funeral. And my thought for you—you've been playing, you played in so many big games over the years. How much can emotion in a football game make a difference?
5: I think uh, it, more than any other sport, I think um, your your mentality, your emotion, and uh, you know those unmeasurable aspects of the game play a role. Just um, because it's such a physical, momentum game, and you know, you, you it's it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's a violent, aggressive, contact sport, and you have to you have to be up for that. And you kind of you know you want to. You know, be psyched and, and all that stuff that makes a difference and it's it kind of you know it, it, it comes across as raw raw reach sometimes but it, it does make a difference and, and you're exactly right the other team last week had it and we didn't and I was disappointed in our guys I, I think we started okay and then we had a lazy fumble and then we kind of you know went into you know just a lazy mode for the rest of the game and we eked out an ugly win but um we we didn't have it and and you know the silver lining is hopefully that's a good wake up call you'd like to get a wake up call with a win and not a loss so hopefully that was a good wake up call We're still getting the win to these guys that hey you, you got to show up any any of these teams are capable of beating you in Houston absolutely can beat you tomorrow night
0: so how much, and I guess you have to put yourself back in the player's mindset, not, not the wise old man that you've become, Brian, but think of, you know, <laughs> the, the 21, 22-year-old version of yourself. How much is that a wake-up call? How long does it last? How short was your memory, which can be a good thing, but can also be a bad thing having that short memory, and how much is it kind of like, okay, we got we away with one there. We got we to gotta tighten the screws a little bit, and we got to bring it.
5: Well, first of all, I'm only slightly more mature now at 36 than I was at BYU at 22. So I've only improved a little bit. I'm still very immature. But, uh, and, uh, you know, back then, you are still a kid when you're in college, and you're still figuring things out, and you're you you're, you're, you're suspect to, to buy into the hype, and, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, just totally shut that off, and don't listen to the media, and And I I never listened to that advice because I was immature then and I'm immature now. And so I I always listened to the media and always spoke my mind to the media for better or for worse. And so, um, you know, that's just who I am as a person. And and everybody's different. And I'm sure a lot of the kids down there have been believing their own press and and that affected things. And um, in terms of having, you know, a short memory, uh, for me, like – I want to remember every mistake I make so that I don't make it again. And, you know, I, I, when I was there, when I played, I I always would review film. And, and and if I, if I, if I made a mistake, you know, I'd watch that play 10 times compared to a play that I did well on because I wanted to learn from it. I wanted to, you know, I I I remember giving up a touchdown as a sophomore against Utah in 2005. And that was one of the most, you know, it was a close game, ended up losing it overtime. And um, that was the only touchdown I ever gave up at BYU. And that, you know, that one play motivated me so much in my offseason, in my training, in my, in my work ethic. And, and that's just how I was. And so, you know, you can take so much from, from failure and from, from poor performance, and you use that and leverage that to improve yourself. So I hope that's what these kids did with what, what was undoubtedly a poor performance last week.
6: How much though so do you think they're aware of that, and they don't? And they don't really need to be said to them because they understand that the nature of this game, what they're trying to accomplish this season, and the fact that they let a team hang around last week and didn't give their best inspired effort.
1: Yeah,
5: I'm, I'm sure the coaches, all in their own way, have addressed it, um, respectively, and um, and and you know some of them probably more forcefully than others, um, but you know everybody aware and to to various levels and understand, you know, the reality that, you know, when you're favored by 35 points and you eke out a pretty ugly win at home, um, you know, you didn't play well. And so, you know, they, I'm sure they understood that and who knows how the film session went. Um, You know, if I was a coach, which I'm not, if I was a coach, you know, I would have the same mentality as I did as a player. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't berate my players by any means, but I would just candidly, and frankly, you know, show them the film and be like, look, you know, this is what happened. This is where you made mistakes. This is where we need to make improvements. And, you know, you need to show up. You need to execute. Every team, you know, respect every opponent. That's kind of been a theme we've been talking about the last few weeks. Um, You know, any of these these opponents. That's why sport is so fun because any given day, any team, a 35-point underdog, um, you know, can, can come up and bite you in the butt. And, and they were, I mean, shoot, that, that onside kick was a good kick. They were close to getting it, and who knows what happened. I mean, it was a close game. You know, and, and this goes back to they played well, we didn't. We eked out a win. And the, 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 what you do from that is you learn from it and get better and, and, and execute even better against Houston. And then, you know, the week after that and the week after that and, and upward mobility.
0: I know talking about the O line is a little bit of a moving target based on you know who can play and who can't play and you know, MP's supposed to be back so that you know on paper that looks like a clear win you know for BYU and the offensive line but watching that UTSA game that was the first time you could really criticize the offensive line I mean they play a perfect game you can find something but the O line was pretty dominant in the first three games and UTSA was able to get some pressure on Wilson and make him move and so. How much faith do you have in that? How much do you worry about the ability to protect the quarterback? Where's your level of confidence in the O-line? Because if they dominate, then everything gets a lot easier.
5: Yeah, and so that's the thing. You know, The casual fan doesn't understand how much of an impact the offensive line has in football. They're always the unsung heroes. When they do their job, nobody hears about them. When they don't, you know, when you, when you get beat for a sack, that's when your name as an offensive lineman gets called on the broadcast hardly if you make a great block, do you get pointed out for it? They're the unsung heroes. And when they dominate, the team dominates. And and that they're probably the biggest other than Wilson's play, um, which has been phenomenal. um, They're probably the biggest key to our success so far this year. And so, yeah, it's no surprise that when they have a poor game, our team has a less than stellar performance and it affects, you know, offense affects defense and, and back and forth, you know, ball control and controlling the clock and, field position and all those things affect each other. So the offense stalling and drives and not doing as well as they have done also affects our defense and it goes back and forth. And so, you know, it, how good are they? I think they're really good. I think they're one of the best units on our team. I think it's just one of those things where they, their, their quality has been inflated due to the level of our opponent which our whole team has. You know, our team has looked just, you know, like Superman, and we've played lesser teams. And so, you know, if you take it with a grain of salt, I still think they're very good. And, you know, when they're all healthy and when everybody's in there and they're at full strength, I think they're very good and one of the best parts of our team.
6: So we hear teams like Houston, you know, they may have some undersized guys, but they got this great team speed, and BYU hasn't been historically known for great team speed. How do you combat that?
5: Yeah, so that's—I mean—that's been BYU's, you know, challenge forever. You know, we, it's rare that we play a team that we're faster than across the board, and it's always been like that. And so, um, speed kills. And in the game today, it's even gotten more um, prevalent that speed—it just—it just absolutely creates mismatches and stresses on defenses and offenses. And so, um, but the, the the way that you do it is is a smart football player will outperform a fast, dumb football player. And I'm not saying anybody's dumb or anybody's smart, but historically um, you, you have had smart football players, even if we haven't had the most fleet of foot in our, in our players. And so, you know, and, and we've had smart players, and sometimes we've, you've used that more uh, than other times. And so that's, that's how you, you beat speed is you take proper angles with phenomenal effort and and you use leverage to your advantage and and you can combat speed and so that's you know you 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 maintain the like on defense you maintain uh you know perimeters you have an edge you have contain you maintain leverage you, you keep people in front of you They're, these are all just like basic football principles um that allows you to combat when you play playing teams that are faster than you and, and that's you know we, we you know back when i was there we played tcu who was way faster than us across the board and and that's what we had to do. You know, you had to, you had to really pay attention to those fundamentals of leverage, of angles, contain, and when you do that, you you'll be totally fine.
0: So you played in the NFL, Brian. How many NFL guys do you think are on BYU's roster? Cuz you get those high-end quality guys, they make the game easier for the guys around them. They often uh, force two guys on the other side to account to, for him. You know, a, a wide receiver, the safety's got a shade over uh, somebody uh, like yourself. They, they might have two guys blocking, and that makes everybody else's job easier. How many NFL guys do you think are on that roster?
5: There's a handful there, and which is good to see because we are our, our NFL numbers have been low for a long time. And you know, 80s and 90s, we just regularly put guys in the league, and then you know, the 2000s have not been the same level. And you'll, you look at some of the other schools, you know, TCU, like I just mentioned Utah, they put guys, Boise, they put guys in the league just like like clockwork. Um, our team right now, we have some guys. Obviously, Kyrus Tonga, um, he's probably the highest prospect. Um, could have come out last year. Fantastic football player. Um, I mean, he's a complete NFL guy. Bushman's an NFL guy. I think Wilson's himself in that conversation now. Um, there there's, there's a couple other guys who are you know late draft picks to free agent guys that are, you know, they're, they're popping and flashing right now. And um, it's good to see. I think we probably have as many, if not more, NFL guys on our roster right now than we've had in, you know, the last 10 years.
6: What are your thoughts on the rushing three, dropping eight?
5: So I, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I have a love-hate relationship with that defense, and um, it has its place. And, you know, it's it's good until it isn't. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's certain down and distances and circumstances where I think it's great. Um, I do think we use it too much. And that's just my opinion. And that's, you know, it is what it is. It's my opinion. I'm not a coach. I'm not in game film with these guys and breaking down, you know, the opponents and all that stuff. But I think we use it too much. I think it gets predictable to the opponents. Um, I like... You know, and I think we've done a better job this year of mixing it up more and not using it as much as we have the last couple years because, you know, it just it gets predictable, and I think it makes it easier for the offensive coordinator when he knows that the quarterback's going to have time. It, just, it makes it a lot easier doing his job. It makes the quarterback's job easier. So it has its place, and, you know, 3rd you know, and 15, I, I don't think there's a better coverage to play than, than drop eight. Um, but on third and three, I think it's a horrendous coverage. And you're just asking for them to convert on the, the down. And so, anyway, it has this place. I like to see us mix it up. Um, I still, you know, some, you know we, we pressured and gave up a big play. Um, and I don't you know, I don't really think that was a pound of the pressure. It was just really bad technique in the back end. And so, I, you know, you can't be afraid to pressure. You have to, you have to be willing to roll the dice. Because if you're, if you're too vanilla, if you're too predictable, it's just too easy of a job for the OC.
0: So is that something you do because the other team has more speed, keep the game in front of you? Is that one of the reasons?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're, you, know, if you, you, you look at the teams that have just like studs in the back end, like they're not running drop eight. They're running man free all day and just coming after the quarterback because they have guys that can, can hold up in coverage. And that's a luxury that not a lot of teams have. You know, you look at some SEC teams like LSU that's able to do that. And Utah has been able to do that for years with the secondary that they've been blessed with. And so they've been able to hold up and man coverage. And not every team can do that. Um, I I think our guys are better than a lot of people give them credit for. They're definitely way more talented and athletic than the secondary I played with. And that's no... This on the guys that I played with, they were really good football players, which is why we had a good team. But these, these kids there now are faster and more athletic. Um, that doesn't mean they're better football players, but they are faster and more athletic, and so that you can do more with that. And you know, speed speed makes up for a, a lot of other things. And so if, if you can combine speed with the smarts, like I talked about earlier, the best you know the best of both worlds is to have both to be smart, take angles with phenomenal effort, and have speed. But I think we have guys that can do it. Not you know, down in and down out.
0: But I think we can do it. Brian, thanks for a few minutes as always. And we'll uh, check the game Friday night and see how it goes. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Have a good day. There's Brian Keel, the former BYU linebacker. When we come back, Matt Thomas used to be on the radio here in Utah. Now he's on the radio in Houston. He has Houston's coach on every week. What does he know about the Cougars their Cougars as they get ready to play our Cougars. I could feel Aggie fans and U fans kind of flinch when I said that our Cougars, not our Cougars. Oh, you know what I mean. The Cougars from this state as opposed to the Cougars from that state. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
4: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Matt Thomas used to work on the radio here in Utah. Now he's working on the radio in Houston. He's got Houston's football coach on the radio every week. He watched the Tulane game. What does he know about Houston that we don't know? We have question marks as BYU gets ready to play Houston tonight. BYU a 5.5 point favorite, 4-0. Oh. Houston's 1-0 oh after beating Tulane. What does Matt Thomas know about BYU or about Houston The BYU fans do not know about Houston. Here's Matt with PK and I. Matt, good morning. Good morning. I'm a special guest. I feel honored. Yes, you are. And we need to pump you for information. Because we watched the-, the Astros, they won a game yesterday. <laughs> they did. <laughs> woo It's not a sweep. It's not a sweep. Uh, That's right. We watched Houston play Tulane, and for 20 minutes, it clearly looked like Houston's first game, and there were nerves, yep. and there were mistakes, and there were turnovers. And then they settled right. in, and Tulane blew a big lead to Houston, just like they blew a big lead to Navy. So we're kind of writing Tulane off and thinking, how good is Houston? What do you know? What can you tell yeah, us?
3: Yeah, very- great. Great question. Uh, I don't think Tulane is very good. Uh, Dana Holgerson does a weekly segment with me on my radio show here, and he just said that even Willie Fritz, the coach of the Green Wave, basically said that uh, U of H pushed him around in the second half. So physicality was a huge part of that. And I think that even Dana told me yesterday that that will not be the case with BYU uh, coming up on tomorrow night. So I would say that once the Cougars calm down, and actually realized there was actually a game to play, they just destroyed them in the second half. you got to remember, boys, the Cougars, our Cougars, uh, have been trying to play a football game for over a month. Between cancellations and COVID testing, a um, variety of teams, they have been multiple canceled uh, and to the frustration of all of us that are followers of the program. So it was just nice to play a football game. It just got off to a really lousy start falling behind 24-7. But once they calmed down, it was all Cougars in the second half.
6: So one of the numbers that jump out of that game is receiver uh, Marquez Stevenson. He's the AAC player of the week. Uh, 118 yards, uh, a kickoff return, which really is something that he does with fairly decent regularity. So my thought for you is how good is he?
3: Pat, he will be the most electrifying player on the field for the Cougars uh, in this game and has been for a better part of a year. Uh, He is, first of all, a terrific special teams player. He, to me, and this is what you'll notice tomorrow when you watch the game, he is great after the catch. He has a burst of energy that is just absolutely fantastic. Pro scouts have figured that out. His only problem is he sometimes has a hard time holding out on the football. Cough went up in the game against Tulane uh, last Thursday. So if he gets that under control, it's going to be fun to watch him move up and down the field. Uh, Dana told me yesterday that he ran probably on a long touchdown pass and he threw, that Clayton Tune threw to him that. It was the best route run he had ever had in his short time at the University of Houston. So he is a dual threat player. He will get to the end zone. You just don't want him to get in his own way by not holding onto the football.
0: So Stevenson has the five catches for 118 yards. Those are the kind of numbers you look for when you're scanning a box score. But when I scan the box score, nobody runs for 60 yards. Nobody other than Stevenson had passes uh, had passed caught for more than 50 yards. Uh, Clayton Toon's 319 yards okay that's a big round number that jumps out of me but this is is this really Toon and Stevenson and then team and take what the defense gives you or is there another guy lurking that didn't have numbers in this game and could be big time against BYU
2: Um,
3: I would keep an eye on Molbekar he's had a good couple of years had a couple of touchdowns yesterday Um, you know as as far as Dana's offense is concerned it's more about the the passing in than anything else Kyle Porter was pretty good but There's going to be nobody that you will see that you will go, oh, my goodness, BYU's defensive line's in a world of hurt. Uh, They will rotate probably six different running backs over the course of the game. That's how Dana's done it in the past, and I think he'll certainly do it here. Uh, For me, one thing to keep an eye on is Clayton Toons. Pretty good running quarterback, doesn't do it a lot. The only thing that's held him back in years past, guys, is the fact that he's also been injury-prone. So they like him to run they're just really particular about when he does it. And you got to realize this is a young man in Clayton tune, the quarterback that has never been a full-time starter because he's always been the second team, good team, uh, on the backup, ready to go whenever you need me. This is his first opportunity as a collegiate football player to be the guy. And I think he wants to be on the field as much as possible. So while I think it's really cool that he's able to run the ball and has done a very good job of it the last couple of years, backing up a variety of different quarterbacks, it's been the injury. So to give you a long-winded answer the running game will be good but not spectacular but keep an eye on Tuna what he can do and his capabilities.
6: you speak of uh, guys being injury prone and I think Holgerson said there's a bunch of guys that are dealing with issues and we know that the games have been postponed what's the state of the team as far as health goes the last number I heard was 15 to 20.
3: Now, again, yeah. guys, let's be honest, but that could be a lot of coach speak there. Uh, as you know, they don't have to offer injury reports in, pro fo- in college football like you do in pro. So when we get to the stadium tomorrow, it'll be, uh, as your guess is as good as mine, at, at what that is. Uh, from what I've been told, it's a lot of first game uh, soreness and what type of thing. It's not like, you know, uh, torn ACLs and concussions and shoulder injuries and whatnot. But to me, I, P, Pat, I was in the same spot with you. When I heard that number, I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me one game against Tulane uh, in October cost you that much? So uh, that goes to what I think will probably happen with the rotation running backs. It feels like, to me, a lot of guys got their first looks, and they very well could be the same situation this week. So if you're doing a depth chart on this game, which I don't know if your audience is or not, I'd have it wide open because there could be a lot of different players getting some playing time.
0: So, early this year, we saw BYU's offensive line just push people around and they ran the ball, but it might be, you know, to a degree level of competition. Uh, They do have the NFL looking at some guys, so they definitely have some talent there. How good is Houston's run defense?
3: Uh, Peyton Turner is a guy that you will hear a bunch of in the game. He was all over the place. TFL, sacks, quarterback pressures really stopping uh, Tulane had a street guys. I believe it was 36 games in a row where they had rushed for at least a hundred yards. That was quashed last week. And so uh, I was very, very impressed. Uh, Grant Stewart is a guy that's moved around all over the place for the team defensively in the sec- secondary and the linebacking core. He's got some of the longest hair you'll see in college football. You probably won't even see his number, but you will hear his name and you will see him in and around the ball all the time. Those are the two main guys for me, but I was highly impressed that, Tulane could get nothing started and then they basically gave up on it in the second half because they were down by so many points so uh, not a huge test but a good enough test to know that it was a pretty proud stat that the defensive side was really appreciative of is the fact that they were able to hold a pretty good Tulane running game to under 100 yards.
6: So where do you think BYU's offense can have the best success against this Houston defense?
3: Get rid of the football quickly. Three steps and go. I mean, you guys would have a better indication to me than, than I would about whether that's a part of the offense. Frankly, Dana's more worried about your running game than anything else. And I, I was t- talking to him about the quarterback and how he's had very few drops and he's got different receivers to go to and and talking about Romney and how uh, how tough of a worker he is. I listened to uh, uh conference call this week and he was just bragging about him. That young man scares the heck out of me because those sneaky type of receivers have always caused the Cougars problems. And you guys, got to realize this. We're not really used to having great uh, defenses at the University of Houston. If you go back three, four decades, it's been veer under Bill Yeoman to the run and shoot with uh, Jack Cardee to what Tom Herman did and, and what now Dana's trying to do. So I would fully expect everybody from a skill position to have some success on both sides tomorrow. I think it comes down to turnovers. I think it comes down to whether you know who's on the field the longest. And, uh, you know, again, I think short, quick step drops because Peyton Turner did have some success crushing the quarterback, and that's a name that I think will scare the BYU offensive line if he can get around those guys. So get rid of the football quickly, stay on the field, and I envision this to be a very high-scoring game.
0: You know, Houston had a pretty good decade, and then everything kind of fell apart at 4-8 and eight last year. That was very unusual when you look at what they had been doing in the years leading up to that. Uh, What went wrong? Is there a big long-term issue that's, you know, or a big issue that's got to be fixed to turn that around? And if so, what is it, and how can BYU exploit it? Wow.
3: Great question. Uh, We've had a lot of coaches here, boys, in the last decade. I mean, Tom Herman, Tony Levine, Major Applewhite, now Dana Holgerson, and if you go before that, it was Kevin Sumlin and Art Brow. I mean, it has been a coaching factory, and unfortunately, and you know my audience. I'm in the middle of A&M and Texas territory. They know I'm a, a huge supporter of U of H. Unfortunately, my school has become a stepping stone. And I think Dana making the decision to leave West Virginia, a Power Five school, to go to an American Conference team. And by the way, he's the highest paid non-D1 or non-Power Five coach in the country. Was released yesterday. That's going to help. The is going to help. But last year was just a mess. Derek King uh, got off to a very sluggish start. And then the decision was made, well, why don't we use this new red shirt rule? Well, everybody said, this doesn't smell right. And Derek King winds up finishing off the year. Clayton two steps in, and then De'Aaron King decides he wants to be the quarterback at the University of Miami. So I would say stability. I know that from the defensive side, they've had to go to a lot of junior college transfers. And as you guys know, that's not the way you build a program. But I think Dana's made in terrific inroads. I think the Cougars will be uh, back where they need to be among the top two or three in the conference. And I'll be selfish about this. The conference is really good. Uh, Cincinnati is very, very good. Central Florida is good. This is going to be a good league. I'd like to invite BYU if you'd like to come in, but I know that both you and I and our schools have uh, aspirations of bigger conferences. But it's a, it's been a fun run, uh, but I, I, I need some stability. And I think Dana, with the money and the, the tools and the new stadium that we've got here, that's now in play, and, and that would be probably the best thing. It's just having a coach here for five, six, seven years to kind of build a program as compared to – where, he, where that next coach is going to go next.
6: So BYU has played before nobody in four games, but I understand there's going to be some fans. How many?
3: Uh, I think 10,000. And from what I understand, a lot of BYU fans are going to be at the game for some reason. So I, I I've always thought the Cougars always travel well, but uh, yeah, we're preparing for quite a few uh, blue and white fans to be in the stadium. Uh, State Stadium seats 40,000. There'll be probably 10 there. It'll be a glorious night. It'll be a great night for football and, uh, it's been weird, guys, I'll be honest with you, because you, you, you try to you, you deflect from the artificial noise or the real noise, and sometimes you just don't hear much of either one. Uh, I don't think it's going to play a huge factor in it, honestly. Uh, but, yeah, there should be a good crowd, probably the biggest crowd of the season. it will be the best road draw, uh, draw of any of the opponents the Cougars will see this year.
0: Hmm. So uh, you're right in the middle of Big 12 country, and you saying that made me think of – how awful the tackling has been in the Big 12. It's multiple teams, and a a lot of people have come forward and said it's because they didn't have the normal spring practice, they didn't have the normal summer camp, everything's been different, the defenses haven't been hitting and tackling, so instead of the defense is way ahead of the offense, for once it's the other way around. Is tackling a big problem for Houston?
3: I can't give you a huge uh, answer on that because I've only seen them play one time. I didn't think there were a bunch of missed tackles. There were some missed coverages occasionally, especially in the first half. And granted, again, the Cougars gift wrapped 14 points to Lane in the first quarter with a couple of turnovers. So um, I I would say right now, David, that's an answer to be found in in a real game. I mean, no disrespect to Lane, but BYU is a massive upgrading competition, so maybe you and I later in the year can have a further discussion about this. But I would not say that missed tackling was a huge problem. Watching OU in Texas last weekend, major problem.
6: <laughs> yeah. How would you evaluate Houston's team speed because that's always been an issue for BYU in terms of defending it? Fantastic.
3: Will cause BYU's defense a lot of problems. Keith Corbin's terrific as the annual here. I've already told you about Marcus Stevenson. Bryson Smith will get involved in there. They've got a new kid, a shirt freshman in Keandre Street who moves up and down the field. That's the one thing that has been the trademark of the Houston Cougar receiving core going back to the run and shoot days of the late eighties is that this team builds on speed. And uh, that should not be uh, something that I think BYU fans should look forward to. So putting Clayton Toon in an uncomfortable position, because Clayton Toon guys will turn the football over if you put him in an uncomfortable spot. So pass rush front seven has to be the number one thing. That I think probably coach Ataki is trying to tell his kids because from a one-on-one angle, I don't know of anybody in the secondary for BYU that's going to be able to stay with the Cougars for four consecutive quarters.
0: So when you say uh, he'll turn the ball over, are you talking interceptions or is he vulnerable to the strip sack because you get a good hop there and that's a scoop and score?
3: Probably more of the strip sack than anything else. And again, I don't want to uh, downgrade who he is because Clayton's been fantastic. It's just there have been times that you do the the head-scratching moments where he's trying to keep a, a drive alive or trying to avoid a sack and a ball gets loose and That's the kind of thing that just – and, again, to me, it's more about him having inexperience. I mean, he's been playing, you know, three, four games a year for basically three or four seasons. He's been hurt, backing up the Eric King, backing up other folks, and it's just never – he's never been consistently behind as the number one guy. So I hope as he plays more and stays on the field that those types of mistakes will go away. And it just – it was kind of aggravating because here you are on the first drive against Tulane last Thursday night you're about to score and then he turns it over and Tulane's in the end zone shortly after that so it was once he got past that I thought it was a huge maturity factor of how well he played especially in the second half of that game
0: well Matt we appreciate a few minutes thanks for coming on as a special guest
3: call anytime we'll talk Rockets Jazz back I guess what March of next year maybe something like that
0: I don't know hopefully I I hesitate to predict and guarantee anything hopefully earlier but you know Whenever you do, there's Matt Thomas does the pregame show for Houston football down in Houston on the radio. DJ and PK, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, baseball playoffs coming up. Stay with us.